The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. God is for us, who can be against us? As we're worshiping the Lord, God's presence is always calling. He's always calling us as we reach out to Him and we praise Him and we worship Him. Whatever happened this last week, whatever's going on in the name of Jesus, you come and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As your victory is in the praise, as you praise Him, and you honor him and you give him glory this morning, his presence. I was praying and singing that song that you were singing today, this week. And we're saying it today, that God is for us. Who can be against us? God is good. God loves you this morning as you worship him and give him praise. You know, the Bible says that praise is beautiful. And as we praise him and we honor him, it's beautiful as we honor him and let him break down the chains. Let him tear down those walls. Let him bring your victory as you praise him this morning. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have An uh, Andy, Pastor, come on up. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Uh, before we get into announcements and stuff, everybody can be seated. But uh, I'm going to have April Goodman come up. Um, she got her first t uh, taste of the stage a few weeks ago, and now she just can't stop. She just can't stop. Uh, she just felt like God's been stirring her with a word uh, to share and just a little bit kind of, I think, of her own life experience as well. And plus, she wanted to show us her cool shoes. Um, if you want to see the backstory on that, go on Facebook and be horrified. But here. No, I'll hold it. I'm going to hold it. That's the way it should be, right? <laughs> no, I don't want a spotlight. Let me dim the light. Okay. Gosh. All right. Before I chicken out, let me do this. Okay. So a lot of you know I've been going through a rough time. Can you hear me if I talk really loud? Okay, fine. Anyway, so um, I had this big speech planned, but I'm not going to go into it because it's too long and Andy, you know, he doesn't have the time. So anyway. I am so excited this morning. Um, God, I've been asking God to show me what I need to do. I want to do something. And I've been praying about it, praying about it. And I went through a lot this year, as a lot of you have. And um, it's been difficult. I felt alone, scared. Um, Pretty much, you know, disconnected. And a lot of it was my choice. Um, but I am happy to say, long story short, that God is healing. Um, he spoke a word in my heart. He said, April, you can do this. He goes, I love you. I want to heal you. 
I want you to do my word. And that's really hard for me, you know. When we moved here, I didn't know anybody. I met Carrie and Krista at the store shopping like I like to do. And um, the women's coffee was amazing. It was a blessing to me. It was so much healing. I shouldn't laugh. But anyway, so um, what I want to say, and I will share more as time goes on, that um, this is what God wants me to do, and he's opened so many doors. And Matthew, what you just said this morning confirmed what I want to do. And I prayed about it while I was Andy's like, well, let's talk today. I'm like, oh, and so I'm shaking. Um, so I'm announcing that we are going to have our ladies' coffee reunited. <laughs> Andy and Carrie have approved it, and they've given me their blessing, and we are opening up the church for this. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we still need to talk about and hash out, but um, I want everyone to come, young, old. Kids are going to be welcome. People who are in school are welcome to come. Yes, everybody. I'm, I'm from New York. You know, we got to drink our coffee, and I'm going to provide food. And I want to hug everybody. You know, I want to love on everybody. I want you to love on me, because you have been a blessing to me. And my husband, who you all know, that I could quit my job to do this full time. And that, I know, right? <laughs> it's God's, he's going to provide, and we're going to be faithful. And I do have to follow a budget, so it's going to be a little hard for me. <laughs> so I'll need your prayer on that. But that's just something um, I'm thinking of after Easter. Yes, I know. I'm so excited. So that's just a little something. I mean, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna pray for April. Although I will say, when you pointed up to Robert like that, and I was here, it was like a Romeo and Juliet thing. It was amazing. It's like a highlight moment of pastoring. It's so awesome. Uh, everybody, just extend your hands. We're gonna pray for April, and this is just so cool because she has been going through a dark patch. Has anybody ever gone through a dark patch in your life? Season, right? And she's coming out of it. What we just sang about, right? Our God is able, right? God's speaking to her and saying, hey, "I want to minister to other people through your life," and she's embracing it and. Amazing. So, Father, we just thank you for April. Lord, we thank you that she's hearing your call. Lord, she's surrendering to it, and she's putting her trust in you, Lord, to direct her steps in this. And we thank you for the lives that you're going to touch. We thank you for the healing that you're not only doing in her, God, but that you're going to do through her. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, so watch for more announcements on that coming as we develop out the details. And invite, invite, invite. It's going to be awesome. Amen. When April texted me that Robert said she could quit her job, I immediately texted back, well, did Robert say I could quit my job? But it was crickets, so I didn't hear anything back. Okay, I'm super excited. Guys, this is our chance. You guys get to stimulate the church's economy right now, because I know y'all got some stimulation going on this week. So it's time to, uh, you know... Okay, so uh, the blue box back there is on the table because we don't pass a bucket right now because, you know, germs and all that good stuff. And then for all the electronic people in the, in the room, um, these are the different ways that you can give online and texting and all the different ways. So um, there's all the options for you. Um, second, we have a car show fundraiser coming up. Guys, 
This is happening June 19th. And this is going to fund many different things. This is a fundraiser for single mom oil change outreach that we're going to be doing. So this is going to be huge. Uh, fun, uh, it's going to also help fund the foster closet ministry and to bring Celebrate Recovery to the Beat Church. This is a big one for us. It does cost to get that and to get all of that set up here. So it's going to be um, helping fund that as well. Um, community groups are starting back up this week, so that is 6.30, either our house or the Bertels. It's always a potluck. See us if you need the address. Um, so Bertels, front row over there, Elliot's, uh, we still have a little bit of room. You can get in on the ground floor at our house if you wish. It will be closing fast, but you can invite your friends. Uh, three people, invite three people, and you see how it works. Um, Open prayer is here at the church on Wednesdays now um, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can come and pray in the sanctuary, so I can't think of a better way to spend your lunch break if you are lucky enough to get a lunch break. Um, you can do that on Wednesdays. Youth group is when this was every other Wednesday, so it is this Wednesday. What a way to end spring break, you know, following up. So it is 7 p.m. here on Wednesday, this Wednesday. And men's theology is this Thursday at 6.30 p.m. upstairs here at the church. Men, men, men. Yeah. So the ladies are doing coffee. Coffee. The men are doing theology. Sounds fine with me. I'm, that works for me. Okay. So that is it for announcements, guys. <laughs> All right. Good. Amen. You should see it at home. That's all I'll say. That's all I'm going to say, Murdy. I'm not going to say anything else. You know why? Because I know. Watch myself. I don't know how long it took Art to figure that out, but I learned it early. I'll watch myself. Watch myself. Uh, good. Let's pray. We'll get into the Word, and this is going to be uh, fun today. We're getting into cancel culture a little bit. So how exciting is that? You're canceled. You interrupted. Goodbye. No, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. That's how cancel culture works, though, right? Everybody's getting canceled. Everybody's getting offended. So you have to watch yourself. But let's pray, and we'll jump into this. It's going to be awesome. It's good to have you guys here. Uh, Father, thank you for your word, and thank you, God, that you have something to say to us, Lord, at all times and all seasons, God, in every uh, walk of an area of our life. And we pray that we would be able to receive from your word today and be able to apply it. And we just thank you for it. Amen. All right. So let's jump in. Cancel culture. So cancel culture is probably always been around. It's just on steroids now because we have the ability now through social media and all these things to uh, just communicate information extremely fast and to get all kinds of people communicating information, oftentimes information that hasn't been verified, oftentimes information that nobody knows whether it's true but it can catch fire, and then boom, it's gone. And before you know it, all kinds of damage has happened. Damage in people's lives, damage in relationships. It's really uh, can spread so quickly. It's almost like what the Bible talks about when it talks about gossip and how dangerous gossip is, right? Because there's no chance or opportunity for someone to actually connect and work through a problem or an issue or to talk about it. But once gossip starts, it just weaves its way through, and then destruction happens, and sometimes it's too late to put it back together. Well, we see with cancel culture that there's an ability for something to happen, somebody to say something, 
or to do something, and all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. Their career's over, their family's ostracized, people are at their door, they're getting threats, like all this stuff is happening. And they're like, that's not even what I meant. Like, I, that's not even what I was trying to say. Somebody took a clip of what I said, they put it out of context, and boom, everything's on fire. And so those types of things happen. But what does the Bible have to say about it? We, we've been studying just through Matthew each Sunday, going through the words of Jesus. And I came across, across a passage that I feel like kind of addresses this issue, which is why I brought it up. I wasn't looking for that message. I wasn't looking to talk about it because it's a cultural issue right now. I was just reading through this, and I got to this passage in Matthew that we're about to get into, and I was reading, and I'm like, this feels like the opposite of current cancel culture. And you know what? God's kingdom, God's ways tend to be the opposite of what is going on in our normal culture, right? We talked before, Jesus' words were to pray for our enemies, right? Bless those that persecute us, to do these things. That's opposite of our natural inclination of what we normally would want to do. And so we look at that and we say, man, God's ways are different. The Bible tells us that his ways are different than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are different than our thoughts. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7. And this is 1 through 5. Now, this is Jesus himself. He says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Okay, so he's saying, you know what? Hold on a minute. Before you are going in and tearing that person apart and ripping them out of this position, ripping them out of that position, and destroying their reputation, whether it's in school or work or wherever it might be, he's saying, hold on. Before you judge others, just know that the same judgment, that same standard could come back. But this is where it gets good. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Why worry about that thing going on? And listen, kingdom culture, when you're talking about following Jesus, the Jesus way is different because the Jesus way takes responsibility for your own issues first. It doesn't mean that we don't address other problems. It doesn't mean that we don't address other things in culture. It doesn't mean that we don't address other things going on at work. But in kingdom culture, in God's way, the first place to look when there's a problem or a struggle or an issue is to first look at yourself and to say, okay, my family's a wreck right now. Do you know what? It's because of this person in my family and that person in my family and this person in my family. But God's way is not to do the pointing out. It's to come and say, okay, what about this environment and this situation has to do with me? You know, in politics. Well, it's this politician and that politician. It's these people voting. It's that. Well, hold on a minute. What about my life? What about my choices? What about my way of living is creating and contributing to what's going on in culture? Maybe it's not something that I'm doing, but did you know the Bible says to him who knows the good that they should do and doesn't do it, it is sin? Well, I didn't do anything. Well, that might be the problem sometimes. I didn't do anything. I could have done something. I didn't do anything. It was too much. I didn't want to get involved. It was too much work. You know, I'm, I'm upset at what's happening at school. Have I been to a school board meeting? Hmm. Hmm. Well, did you volunteer to help out? Hmm. You know, the, cl the classes don't have enough staff. People aren't being helped. Have you ever offered to go help, to go get involved, to go, this is happening, that's happening, these things are going on. Have you ever helped? 
boy, addiction, drugs are hurting everybody. It's horrible. It's, have you ever gotten involved in an addiction recovery program to help somebody with addiction, to actually lay your life down, to serve there, to do something, to be involved? And so it's not always looking out at what's going on, but it's slowing down to say, hold on a minute, what, what about my own life? Whether it's something that I'm doing that maybe needs to stop or something that I'm not doing that maybe needs to start, but it's looking here first. And this is important because in our current culture, we have a lot of people, especially Christians, especially believers, where we're saying, oh, culture, it's so terrible. What's happening? God's got to do something. God's got to come back. And we talked last week about God's intervention being closer than we think because God's plan for intervention is sitting right here. God's plan for intervention is us. We are the salt. We are the light. We're supposed to impact society in a positive way. We're supposed to bring the message of salvation. We're supposed to bring the gospel to it. We're supposed to invest in people's lives and do these things. And so we are crying out for that. But at the same time, we talked about this a little bit at men's Bible study yesterday. At the same time, you see Christian leaders falling all over the place. Just Google Christian leader scandals. You'll be reading for a week, falling to immorality, falling to, to financial fraud and all kinds of issues going on. And so then as a church, as believers, people are saying, oh, you know what, if only society would get their act together, if only society would get their morality together, if only society, and society's looking around and saying, well, show us. Show us. Because what we see is we see priests and pastors that are abusing kids. We see pastors that are having affairs. We see pastors and, and leaders and people who are stealing money from people. We see, these are things that we see. We see people coming into church, and, and they're not feeling the love of God, but they come in and they feel rejected and ostracized and pushed out before they even can figure out what's going on and learn and get some hope. Jesus is talking not to the world here. He's actually talking to religious leaders and to people. He's saying, you're the religious leaders, so I'm not just making a sermon. I'm just talking about Jesus' words. And Jesus' words were directed not at society. Now, that society that he was in was horrific. The emperors and, and the rulers there, man, they were taking people and putting them on crosses. Jesus wasn't the only one to be put on a cross. They were killing people, pulling people out of their homes. There was craziness going on. And yet Jesus is looking not at the world because the world lives as the world lives. He was looking at the people that identified as his children. You know, how many of you have kids? And it's like, man, if that was my kid, right? If that was my kid, I would. Well, but they're not, so you can't, right? But once it's your kid, then you can take them out for ice cream or whatever it was you wanted to do, right? Because they are in your house. Well, God is looking down and saying, you know what? This is my house. These are my kids. And so I'm going to address you. And so this is Jesus. Now, he's addressing them. In other words, he's addressing us as his followers. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get this? speck out of your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye hypocrites first get rid of the log in your own eye then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye now i'm not calling you a hypocrite i don't I, that's not me i'm not saying i'm just reading jesus words that's all i'm doing this is his blog post i'm just reading it Okay, if it convicts you, if it hits you a little bit and says, man, I don't know, just let it. Because anytime God gets into our life to deal with something, he's getting into it for a purpose. 
He is love, right? But does love just give permission for everything? I had a cousin that came to live with us once when I was a kid. We always had people coming to stay with us. And he lived with us for, I don't know, probably a year or so. And in the home that he was in, he was never watched. His parent was never home. They didn't care. He just basically just lived as like a, you know, 13-year-old adult. Just did whatever he wanted to do. In my house, man, there was like, I say structure. Some people laugh at our structure. But we had some structure compared to that. There was rules, regulations. You had to wear a life jacket if you were in the bathtub. My mom hated water. I mean, we had all kinds of restrictions on us. And he came in and lived there. Man, at first he bucked it, and he was frustrated, and he was mad. And then one day he just told me, just, we were just hanging out. And he's like, man, this is, I really feel loved here. People care if I come home. Because you had to be home by a certain time. You go out and ride your bike, but you got to be home. If you're not home, you're in trouble. Because love doesn't just give permission, but love actually has some accountability and structure to it. It has some boundaries, it has some rules, it has some things like that. So in God's word, there are some boundaries, some, some things that he puts on our life. And he says, hey, this is how I want you to live, not because he's just trying to hurt us or harm us. It is the love of God to have some boundaries and to have some structure. That is love. And so he's talking, and this is what he, he tells him. He's saying, you hypocrite, he says, clean out your own eye before you can help them. Now here's the thing, he doesn't say don't help them. It doesn't mean that you can't get involved in someone else's life. It doesn't mean that you can't observe that someone else has something that needs to change. It doesn't mean that you can't get involved in culture and society and say, hey, this needs to change. We can't do this. This is wrong. This issue matters. It doesn't say that. If you read it again, he says, hypocrites first, first get rid of the log in your own eye. So he's not dealing with this idea that you're not allowed to ever be involved because we can't ever judge anyone, we can't ever say anything, we can't ever do anything. What he's saying is, you know what, if you're going to hold a judgment or a standard on someone else, just know that you have to be able to live a standard yourself. And you have to work on that. You have to change that. Don't get all over that person because you think that their immorality is worse than your immorality. Now you've got something that you know is out of line. Right? They're hitting somebody and, oh, man, I would never hit anybody. And yet you're verbally abusing somebody all the time. Well, it's just because I lost my temper. You're, you're... God's looking down and saying, well, what about your own? What about your own issue? What about your own struggle? What about your, what, you're, what you're doing right now? Can you give that to me? Will you deal with that? Because culture does need help. And our culture right now is a spiraling mess of a disaster in so many ways. They do need help, but they need help from people that can see. They need help from people that when they look, they can see. Wow, okay, they do care. They are trying to live this. They're not perfect, but man, they are trying. They are trying to love people. They are trying to help people. They are trying to live a different way. Jeremiah 17, 9. You know, this goes into just this idea of cleaning ourselves out and allowing ourselves and how we get into these traps Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay, culture says, follow your heart. Whatever's in your heart, just follow that. Follow your heart. Whatever makes you feel better, whatever makes you feel good. Well, that has gotten us into a mess. 
because we're not supposed to just follow just our own heart, our own flesh. Now, when we give our lives to Jesus, he puts a new heart in us, the desires of our heart to begin to change. The Bible says that he works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. We begin to become a new person with new desires, and that changes. But just to lay a, this whole entire cultural idea that, hey, follow your own heart, follow your own thing, it's going to be great. It's just a recipe for what we have now. Disaster. Everybody defines their own thing. They define their own morality. They define their own right and wrong. They define everything is just up to me. And the warning here is, do you know what? That doesn't work because your heart is actually deceitful. Your heart will play tricks on you. Your heart will tell you, man, this person loves me and that person's abusing you. Your heart will tell you, man, I need this addiction because it makes me a better person. And yet it's actually causing you to, to rob and steal and hurt your family. Your heart will tell you, man, I have to get angry and say this stuff because it protects me, but it's actually destroying lives around you, which is then coming back to destroy your own life. Your heart does all these things to deceive you and to take you down a wrong path. And so our culture has a lot of that going on where everybody does their own thing. Everybody is just making up their own rules, decide, and then everybody's stepping on each other's toes with it. One person's canceling somebody, and then the next time somebody else is canceling. This is what happens when we move out of God setting the rules and then it's just a free-for-all, is eventually somebody has to set the rules. And so everybody starts setting their own rules. And then, well, I thought we could do whatever's in our heart. Well, yeah, true, but not that, because that offends me. Okay, well, that offends me. Well, what you're saying offends me, and pretty soon everybody's just offending each other and pointing all these things out and going after each other. And you see people, like, literally, if you just, if you just watch the rotation, literally people who a year ago were canceling people and getting on these deals, like all of a sudden you see they just got fired and got canceled. like, what's going on? Are things getting out of control? Like, well, you were doing that. Your actual person, yourself, was leading a charge to have someone else canceled. And now you've been canceled. Like, that's happening. You see it on the news. And the person's outraged. Freedom of speech. Well, where was it last, last year when you were leading the bandwagon against this person? And it's this back and forth that's happening. And so it's all over. But God's recipe for that is that we stop trying to set our own standard, and we go back to the original standard, and we look in the mirror, and we say, okay, there's stuff in my own eye that's not lining up with God's word. It's not lining up with how God wants us to live. Like, I need to address me. And then as I address me, it's what Paul told Timothy. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So as you see this change in my life, you see me living this way, then you know what? Come follow me and live like this. Do what I do. Live how I live. And that that should be a reflection that draws people towards him. I believe that God, as things are getting this way, the Bible says when the enemy of the Lord comes in like a flood, that he will raise up a standard against it. I believe that as we've, oh, it's flooded, it's coming in from everywhere, just chaos and all these, it's just coming in from everywhere. You can't stop it. It's on the media, it's on the news, it's in culture, it's in the schools, it's everywhere. It's coming in like a flood. Well, the Bible says that God will raise up a standard. Well, how does he do that? Well, part of that is he does that through people who are living according to his word. Because what does it do? When you have integrity, when you have good rapport with people and God's favor on your life because you're living and walking according to his ways and you're serving people and you're caring for people, and people look and go, man, that person right there is worth following. When they speak, I want to listen. It stands out in society. It stands out in culture. And it begins to give influence, which is a different kind of influence than just a point and jab and hit people influence. Right? I don't like what you're doing. I'm going to attack you. 
But it's a different type of influence. It's a more powerful influence. It's the influence that actually gets into the heart and soul. It's the influence that Jesus used when he said that he didn't come to be served, but to lay his life down, to serve others, to become a ransom. He said, you know, I'm coming to serve. And he won back an allegiance, a trust, a care that people allow God's heart to move in their life and begin to change them because they want it. It comes from the inside out that God moves this. Matthew 15, 1 through 11, says some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus, and they asked him, why do your disciples display our age-old, or disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. They're saying, hey, we're supposed to do this. You're supposed to wash your hands and wear your mask. You know, you're supposed to do this stuff. Why aren't they doing it? Right? And they're really on this thing. And for them, it wasn't about a virus. It wasn't about that kind of stuff. It was about just this idea that we cleanse ourselves and then we eat. And there's this whole kind of religious thing. But yet their heart was not right. For us, it'd be more akin to, okay, well, I go to church, you know, I, I pray before my meal, I do these things. But is my heart right? Is the way that I'm living right? You know, am I treating people right? Am I following God's word? Am I, am I on my phone in my bedroom looking at things I'm not supposed to be looking at and doing stuff? Am I saying things to my spouse that I shouldn't be saying? And then I come out and sit at the table with my kids and I'm like, Let's pray. Let's pray. That's what God's talking about. You do all these things on the outward, but I'm looking inward, and I'm not seeing the same thing. And so God, God's looking and saying, okay, I see that you're making posts online, on Facebook, social media, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you're at. You're, I see that you're posting stuff about changing culture and serving God. but I don't see you spending time in your word or praying or talking to me or being with me. I don't see you when you go in your bedroom living the same way. I don't see you walking this out yourself. You know, I saw one, one post that says, you know, uh, you know, they won't allow the Ten Commandments in school. But why has that kept you from posting them on your own wall at home? Right? The school needs it on the wall so the kids can see it. But it's not on my wall in my house. If it's that important, shouldn't it be there? I'm not saying you need to go paint your wall or go buy a sign. But the outrage that it's not there is misplaced because we have every right to put it there and it's not even there. See what I'm saying? That's what he's getting at. You do all these things outwardly, but what are you doing inwardly? What's happening? This is Jesus. This is the loving, awesome Jesus. The flowy hair. The one who loves me. Jesus is a friend of mine. This is what he's telling people. Like they're coming out for an inspiring message and he's saying, you hypocrites, what are you doing? And I'm just reading through Matthew. I said, we're just going to talk about the words of Jesus. Well, here they are. This is the one that we serve. This is Jesus. And then Jesus replies after they ask him this. He says, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother. And it says, anyone who speaks disrespectful of his father or mother must be put to death. This is Old Testament law. It says, but you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say, 
that they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own traditions. So in other words, they have their, they have their parents, and their parents have a need, and they say, well, I can't really help you because I'm trying to give it to God. And so their parent is going in need. Maybe their parent doesn't have a place to live, or they don't have time to go help their parents. They don't have time to spend to do anything for them, and they're in need, and they're suffering, and they're like, you know, I can't do that because I'm helping God. Now, what does their parent think about God? This is God? God would take and not even allow you to help me, your own, your own flesh and blood? So it puts a bad name on God for them to see that. And so he's telling the religious people that there's these things that you do that appear very religious because you can go into the circles and say, oh, I did this for God. And yet they're ignoring the very needs that God's put around you. But they sound so awesome on paper. They sound so awesome on a post. They look so good. But they're not what I'm asking you to do. They're, they're not meeting the need, the suffering, the sacrifice that's next to you. And so he's putting this out there, and that's just what he's talking about, is, is the change starts inside of you. That's what needs to change. Now, again, I'll remind you, he's talking to people that are living in a culture where there is so much wickedness going on. They had temple prostitution going on. People literally would come to church and pay to be with prostitutes on the stage as part of worship. That was their worship service. This is what they were living in. This type of environment. And yet he's talking to them. It's kind of offensive. It's like, I'm a pretty good guy. Like, I'm trying to do good stuff. Yeah, I didn't give it to my parents, but I gave it, like, I'm giving to you. Like, why are you mad at me? Like, look at those crazy people. But he's not doing that. He's still saying, you know what? That's their own crazy. This is about you. Because the gospel always hits here first. It's got to hit here first. It's got to hit in our own heart. It's got to bring change. And so when we look at culture, we look at all these things going on and just the chaos of it and the people canceling each other and the fighting and all this stuff. And we're saying, hey, something needs to happen in culture. When culture's going crazy, it's like a check engine light in a car. And it doesn't mean that your dash is broken. How'd a light come on? My dash is bad. No. There's something wrong inside. Right? When we see culture going crazy, it's very easy to throw the stones out there and say culture is crazy, but the reality is culture is a reflection of the people that are living in it, making it up. That's where it comes from. And if the people living that make up the culture are seeing something that they don't like, then throwing stones out there doesn't help because the problem started here. This is where the root is. And it needs to be dealt with here. You know, do you think that, that there would be as much uh, perversion in media and in these different places if people weren't paying for it? What about sex trafficking? We need to stop the smugglers. Would they be smuggling if there wasn't buyers? The reason that the problem is out here is because there's a problem in here. And so he's trying to get at the heart. He's trying to get at, at that situation, say something's got to change here. We've got to bring an actual change of heart inside you. And he's given them a glimpse into what he's coming to do because they wanted a political savior. That's what they wanted. They thought that the king would come, that the Messiah would come, that he would overthrow the kingdom and he would become the new king and establish this new kingdom. And he's saying, no, I'm actually coming to do stuff in here. It's not what they wanted. But it's what he offered. And it was deeper and it was greater. 
So it goes on in Matthew 15. It says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes out of your mouth, the words that come out of your mouth. There's something inside coming out. It's not what you're consuming from external stimulation. It's something in here. It's something in here that's gravitating out. Something in here that's coming from you. Well, then how do I fix that? How do I fix that? Well, we have to, we have to go to God. We have to, have God, we have to ask God for his help. put this up here just because I thought it was pretty funny. Because it's been lovely, but I have to scream now. Anybody ever feel like that? <laughs> this has been good. Okay? Trying to, be, trying to make a difference, trying to be a Jesus follower, trying to love others when the world's so full of hate. I mean, all these different things going on, trying to live right, trying to do things good, and it just seems like there's always a challenge, always a struggle happening. It's been fun, but I think I just seen a scream now. Goodbye. I'm out. Anybody ever feel like that? It's all been good, but I'm out. Trying to be a good dad, man, it's been good. Trying to be a good mom, good wife, trying to work on your marriage, trying to make a difference in your school, trying to make a difference in somebody's life with addiction, trying to overcome a health thing, help somebody that's got a health issue going on, like trying to do all these things, and you're just like, ooh, it's been lovely. I'll see you later. Time to go in the other room and scream. It can feel that way. It can feel that way when we're trying to make all the changes happen that are really out of our control to a large degree, but the one that's in our control is the one that God wants to do in here by our own surrender and by our own walk with him. And that's where he wants to take us. Second Chronicles 7, 11 through 16, it says, So Saul, this is going back to Old Testament, but this is a good uh, illustration of this. It says, So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace he completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. So God said, you know what? This is a great church. This is a great building. I'm going to come here and meet with you. You come sacrifice to me and I'm going to meet you here. He goes, I've chosen this. I love this. And it says, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Well, this is sounding more lovely. It's like, I like your church. I like what's going on. Sometimes I'm going to send plagues and things to eat everything up. And sometimes I'm just going to send all kinds of problems your way. Sign me up. Where's the membership class? Get me in. But he's saying, I'm going to do this. Now, why is he going to do it? The clues in the next verses, he says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attended to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. And so what he's saying is, I'm going to choose a place and I'm going to bring my presence there and I'm going to interact with the people. I'm going to listen. And when things are out of whack, when they're out of line, 
I'm going to allow for some things to come in that cause trouble and they cause difficulty so that people will then go, we forgot we need God. And they're going to press back into me and pray and humble themselves. And when I do, I'm going to listen. When I send that and then they respond, I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear them. I'm going to come quickly. I'm going to help them. I'm going to heal their land. I'm going to bring it back. Because my purpose was never destruction. My purpose was instruction. I was trying to bring them over and remind them of where they need to be. You know, these plagues, these things, they're almost like those bumps on the side of the road, right? You're going down, you hit those bumps, and it's like, oh, I hate this. Every time I'm getting to relax driving, these bumps come up, and they hit my tires. I hate those. I wish they would get rid of them. My ride could just be smooth, and I could relax. Oh, enjoy going off the cliff. Because they're there to get you back on. Okay? Well, that works culturally and individually. We're facing a lot of difficulties and challenges as a nation, as people. We're facing them in our cities. We're facing them sometimes in our families, in our own personal life. And we have these things and these agitations and these things that are going wrong. We say, why is this not working? Well, ideally, as we see the problems and the issues, we have skyrocketing mental illness, skyrocketing addiction. We have skyrocketing violence, all these things. Something's not being done right. Well, I don't want to listen to that. But if we'll listen to it and we see all these things going on, and all, at my house I'm just always fighting, everything's happening. Man, I always, I'm out of money, I'm going broke. Okay, stop. Slow down. All these red flags in life are trying to point you back and come back humble before the Lord and say, Lord, what do I need to change? What, what, what needs to happen in me? Lord, what do you want to do differently? so that I can get back on the right path, so that you can heal our land. And so, But he's speaking again here. He's speaking not to the outside non-believing people. He's speaking to the people that are actually going through the work of building a temple. It doesn't seem fair that God would do that. But he does, because that's his family. Those are his kids. So he comes to them and says, this is what I need you to do. And so God would come to us as a church, as Christians, as believers, and say, you know what, yes, I see, you see all the red flags in society. You see all the things going on in culture. You're hearing all the, the issues going on. But don't point out there first, come back to me in the areas of your life that you have control over and let me work in those. Eventually, we'll get there as I'm shoring you up, as I'm bringing faith back, as I'm bringing hope back, as I'm bringing purity back, as I'm bringing your own integrity and honesty back and your own forgiveness. As I'm working in you to change you and grow you, these people are struggling and hurting. And you know what? If they can see stability and honesty and integrity and love and service, that's a light that shines that draws people to it. But let's, let's polish those headlights off. They're foggy. They're not shining anymore the way that they need to be. Let's clean them off. Does that mean you're a horrible person? No. Does that mean I'm a horrible person? No. But it does mean that God wants us to look at our own selves and say, how can we adjust? How can we change? Or what do you want to do in my life? And so he goes through this, Luke 18, 9 through 14. It says, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Now, I'm not accusing you. I'm not accusing me. This is just a story that Jesus is saying. Their eyes were looking at other people and saying, you guys are all screwed up. And it doesn't mean they weren't. Some of them were. Some of them are. 
That's not the point. The point is he's saying you're looking out there, but something's happening here. Let's deal with that first. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. Two men walk into church. Sounds like the start of a bad joke. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. Tax collectors never get a break. They were despised from the beginning. It's just awful. Uh, so here you are, you're a tax collector. They were despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself. Now, that's the religious leader, right? He stood by himself, and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. So far, so good. Anybody ever prayed just thankfulness to God? Not a bad start. That I am not like other people. Uh, didn't take long to get off the rails, did it? <laughs> he just went jumping right off. Just hit the high dive. I thank you, God, not for his blessings, not for his favor, not for his grace, not for his own salvation, not for saving a wretch like me, not because I once was blind and now I see, not because of any of the stuff that is why I'm even here today. I thank you, God, that I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I thank you, God, that I'm not this. I thank you, God, that you're helping me with that. No, none of that. He's obviously forgotten where he'd be without God. Because that I'm not like other people, cheaters. I've been accused of cheating a few times, mostly by the Jensen's. Mostly by the Jensen's. Let me just say this. If you play board games with people and you try harder than the rules allow, they call that cheating. I call that extra effort, okay? <laughs> extra effort. So here's a side note. We got, we got Cheaters Monopoly. Has anybody ever heard of that? So she got rid of it. So there's an actual game. It's called Cheaters Monopoly. It's actually Monopoly made for people who want to cheat. It's amazing. And I played that game, which has no rules. And guess what I got accused of? Cheating. I'm like, this game is made to cheat. Like, if you play fair, you're breaking the rules. And I still got in trouble. So just FYI, there's abuse out there. But he says, I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm not like all those other people, Lord. Thank you, God. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. <laughs> wow. I'm certainly not like that politician. I'm certainly not like that person, that racist or that horrible person that didn't take care of their own kids. I'm not like them. They're awful. Thank you, God, that that's not me. I'm not like my spouse. I'm not like my mom or dad. my teenager, whatever. Just, I'm not like somebody, right? And they're pointing at him. And he goes on to talk about his goodness. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, that guy stood over there at a distance. The Bible says he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow.
And he said, oh God, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. Me. I got a problem. Jesus said, I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here's the definition of that word humble, okay, which is pronounced kana, and it's properly to bend the knee. That's what it means, to bend the knee. So, well, humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself than you are. It means agreeing with God's value of you. Well, that's a great thing to say. That's not actually what the word means. This is what the word means. It has a real meaning. It's to bend the knee, hence to humiliate, to vanquish, to bring down low, into subjection, underneath, to be humble yourself, to subdue and talking about angels or birds, to actually fold the wings. To put the power down. To put your own ability down. To put your own capacity to lift yourself up away. Just to bend down and say, God, I need you to help me. Now the promise in this this morning, because he's dealing with the individual, but was God's mission individual? only. No. God so loved what? The world that he gave his only son. God has a world mission. It just doesn't start out there and come in here. It starts in here and goes out there. That's how it works. And so as a church, I just want to take a minute. If we can bow our heads Now, I'm just going through Jesus' words, and I understand you come to church, man, it's a hard week, go through a lot, we're tired, man, we're coming, we want to get pumped and encouraged, you know, you want to grow a church, man, you got to just come in and just, man, we've got to be inspirational speaking and rah, rah, rah. I understand that. <laughs> Believe me, I'd love to be just doing that. But this is God's word. This is Jesus' word. This is who we're singing about. This is what he taught. And so the way to lift our spirit, the way to be inspired, the way to be picked up is to surrender ourselves to God. Those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings of eagles, run and not grow weary. The lifting comes after the bending, the bending the knee, the humility. So just as our heads are bowed, I just want you to spend a minute just with the Lord and just ask the Holy Spirit. We believe that God's here. We believe that God speaks to us. We believe that God is involved, that we're two or more gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst of us. We believe these things, so we believe that God's here. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a counselor, somebody who speaks to us and counsels us, that he leads us into the truth. That he convicts us of sin, that's wrong, but also of righteousness, that's the right of what we're supposed to do. That he does this, that he works in us to do this. So that he can bring good out of our lives, the fruit of the Spirit. This is your heads bowed, just talk with the Holy Spirit and just ask him, is there something in my life 
But as I look out and say, Lord, you got to do something about culture. God, you got to do something about this country. You got to do something about the world. Lord, that you would look at me and say, hey, here's something in your own eye. Let's work on this right now. Does it make you a bad person? Doesn't make you unloved? Doesn't make you ugly? It just makes you a person that's in need of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the help of God. Just like me. Lord, is there anger that I need to let go of? God, that you want me to surrender to you, Lord? Is there a way that I talk down to others? Is there a way that I use my money, Lord, that you'd want me to change it? Lord, is there a way that I deal with my marriage that you want me to change it? God, is there a stuff that I watch and I consume in my eyes and my ears that you want me to stop? Is there something you've been calling me to do? Like April's ministry that she's starting, like Laura Roca over here, they just took in their first two foster kids. Or is there something good that you want me to do that I've resisted? I haven't wanted to do it because I didn't want to obey or I felt it was too much work. There's something I need to let go of and forgive someone. Lord, that I haven't been willing to forgive. Like, what, what is it? And just let him speak to you. Because that's where it starts. And this is just a moment on a Sunday, but that's where it starts and continues regularly as believers, is to constantly come. This is not a moment. This is a lifestyle. We're trying to always come to God and say, God, I'm coming, and Lord, I need you to work in me to help me. Help me to change. Help me to live right here, Lord, and then use me out there to invite people into what I'm experiencing, which is a changed life. Amen? Father, I just pray for everyone today. God, I thank you that your word, Lord, though sometimes is confrontational to our own spirit and our own heart, God, that it's also invitational, Lord, that it invites us into relationship and into a deeper, a deeper sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and love, Lord, as we really surrender to you. I pray, God, you'd help us to do that in this church. Help us to do that in our families and in our hearts. God, because you are good and we trust you, Lord, to, to work on us. Lord, and we do pray for our city. Lord, we pray for our schools. We pray for our country. We pray for the world, God, culture. God, that others are, are working to cancel each other out, Father. Lord, we pray that you would give us, Lord, a different message, a different voice. Lord, a light that shines in the darkness and says, God didn't come to cancel you. God came to save you. God came to save you. God came to, to bring salvation. God came to offer you a new life and a new hope. And he came to cancel your sin, not cancel you, Father. Lord, give us a message of love and a message of hope and a message of restoration. Lord, that stands out as opposed to what's in culture right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Thanks for being here. We're getting close to Easter. Be thinking about inviting people. And just, man, I just encourage you just to live, in, just to live in, in humility before God. He will lift you up.
the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.